Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Hey man, let's give the band just another hand for just a wonderful, wonderful way that they lead us in worship just week in and week out. So grateful for all of those that serve in that way, for those that are kind of hidden sometimes in the behind the scenes moments with our AV and uh, just tech team, and if you're joining with us uh, this morning online, we welcome you here and so grateful just for the gifts that God has given uh, those that are willing to serve Him to make that uh, possible. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, we're uh, so grateful that you're here. My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we uh, just are grateful that, that you've connected with us this morning. We'd love uh, to hear from you. You'll find some uh, Connect cards in the back of some of the seats uh, along the way, and you can let us know of your time with us. We'd love to, to share a gift with you. You can give that uh, to one of our uh, Connect team uh, members as you leave, just some of our host team, and they would uh, love to do that. And we uh, promise not to be at your house this afternoon or anything weird uh, like that along the way. So uh, again, just grateful that you're here. And you know, we're, we've been praying and uh, for a season been praying uh, that we might uh, see a move of God uh, in our, our midst, in our country, a spiritual awakening. Uh, a, a way that we would see uh, God move uh, in our county and in our community. And I'm convinced that we can't manufacture a move of God, uh, but that we can be prepared and we can be praying and seeking His face and be ready if He sees fit uh, to move. Uh, I want to encourage you to be praying. There's a, a planned series of meetings. Uh, I, I prefer to probably call them a crusade, maybe rather than uh, a revival. Again, I don't believe we can uh, create those kind of things, but that we can gather and pray and see uh, and, and just be prepared for God to move. And in the fall, in October, uh, there is a, an event that, that's being planned by several churches in our community through the association that, that we're part of in the Macon Baptist Association. And tonight, uh, there's a prayer rally for that at Watauga Baptist Church at 6 p.m. And so uh, if revival and, and just that uh, heart of coming together and praying uh, with other believers and other churches, uh, we'd love to, to see you come and be part of some of that. And we long to be part of, of uh, however God is working in the midst of our community. Uh, you know, this morning we, we gather and, and I want to share a message with you uh, that has stirred on my heart uh, over these past few days. We're walking through the book of Philippians. And so if you want to take your copy of, of God's Word and turn to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin this morning with verse 12. And we're going to just continue to walk verse by verse uh, through the Scriptures. And as I was uh, thinking about this message, I was reminded uh, of a time that as a family, we all went to the coast of North Carolina. And my wife's mother was uh, just a really a big fan of lighthouses. And she just loved uh, to look at them. And I can remember we went and spent the week uh, at the beach. And when we were there, we would take ferries and we would go and we would just look and, and see uh, these beautiful lighthouses that were uh, on the coast. And I think you'll see a, a picture here of one. This, uh, this particular lighthouse is one of our North Carolina uh, lighthouses. And according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, these lighthouses, they serve to warn mariners of dangerous, shallows, and perilous rocky coasts, and they help guide vessels into and out of harbors. The messages of these long, trusted aids to navigation are very simple. 
Either stay away, danger, beware, or come this way. And these beacons of light, they shine into the midst of darkness and they proclaim a message that guides and protects, that warns of danger, and that leads ships safely home. You know, I heard the story of a pastor who had one of his congregation come to him and and they came to him and said, hey, listen, I need you to be praying for me. Uh, I'm praying that God would open up another opportunity quickly uh, for me to move out of the job that I'm in. And the pastor said, okay, I'll, I'll be glad to be uh, praying for you, but could you tell me why? And he said, well, he said, just to be real honest, he said, I, I'm the only believer in my department. I, I'm, the only, I'm the only one that, that knows Christ that's in my department. He said, I, I've got to get out of there. The pastor said, so tell me it is why you want me to leave. And the guy kind of bewildered, or why you want me to be praying for you that you could, could leave. And the guy looked back at him a little bit bewildered. And he said, well, well sir, he said, I, I, I told you. He said, I'm, I'm the only believer in, in my department. And he said, I, I might even be the only believer in, in the whole workplace. And the pastor looked at him and he said, did you ever think that God might have placed you there to be light in the midst of darkness. And you know, we understand that we need community and that we, uh, that, that we come and we gather in worship and we gather in community with other believers and we find strength and uh, we, we've got to be careful that we've, we've been called. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer for, uh, for his disciples and then for us, he said, I don't want you to, to remove them out of the world. Uh, But he said, I want you to keep them from the evil one. His prayer was that God would keep us from the evil one, that we are sent into the world, not to be part of the world, but we would see Jesus would would give us this clear call that we would be lights in the midst of this world. Now, we we may find ourselves in this room in some pretty dark places. There are people in this room that might find themselves in workplaces that are pretty dark. You might find yourself even in homes that are are dark, that are, are places where you might feel like that guy wondering about his job. Lord, what do you have me here for? But Jesus would be clear. In his call to his disciples as they would gather for the Sermon on the Mount, as they would gather in those moments, his call uh, was very clear. And when Jesus would speak in those moments, he would call those people to be lights in the midst of darkness. Beginning in Verse 14 of chapter 5, you'll see these on the screen, you don't have to turn. But Jesus looked at them and he said, you, and, and if you look at it in the original language, it's even better. And, and we've got a perfect translation here in the South because it's you, plural. Yeah, and Jesus would look and, and it was in this emphatic voice that would say, y'all and y'all alone are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and gives, it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he says, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven." Now, the Apostle Paul writes to this church at Philippi, and we're going to read uh, these verses here in just a moment, and he reminds them that they are to shine bright. And I want to preach a a message to you today called, It's Dark, Shine Bright. 
And the reality is that it's dark all around us. We live in the midst of a broken world. The mess and the destruction in this world can only be impacted by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those of us who are in Christ, we've been given this commission to carry the good news of the gospel message into this world and to be light in darkness. Will you stand with me as we open God's word, beginning in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. We'll read uh, all the way through verse uh, 18 this morning. And the scripture says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. And God, we recognize that, Lord, any of us who are in Christ are not there uh, of our own earning. God, there's nothing that we have done to, uh, to, to make us right with you. But, Lord, we, uh, we reflect, and as we sung this morning, God, we rejoice in what you have done. And God, we come this morning asking you for help as we uh, live in the midst of this broken world. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning uh, that has never repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in you, God, that this day would be the day of salvation, Lord, that your Holy Spirit uh, would convict their hearts, God, that you would draw them uh, in the power of your Holy Spirit, God, and that they might surrender their very lives to you, Lord, that they might uh, be born again into the family of God and made right with you, freeing them, Lord, from the penalty of sin and setting them, Lord, on a, on a, on a journey of being conformed to your image where they would live for the glory of your name as lights in the midst of darkness. Lord, and we pray, God, for all of us who have been born again into your family, God, will you use us in the midst of this broken world? Will you give us courage? Will you give us conviction? God, will you give us a call this morning to be shining lights in the midst of this broken world? In Jesus' name, amen may be seated uh, this morning, and uh, we're going we're gonna to walk through these verses this morning together, and uh, I want to start in verse 12 in just a couple of words he uh, uses. He says, so then, and so when we read scripture, we always want to look at the words like this, words like therefore, and so we see the word so then, and so we want to think uh, about what we have seen in this chapter. We want to think about uh, what God has been speaking through his word uh, to us, and Paul is writing, I want to remind you, to these saints uh, who are at Philippi. We see that in chapter 1, and, and in chapter 2, 
two, we have seen this beautiful picture of this call for us to live in humble gospel unity, right? That we're to live in humility and and in in humble unity as the body of Christ. And we see this incredible call uh, to walk in that. And then we see the Apostle Paul uh, paint this beautiful example in Christ. And and, and he gives us this reminder that that even though uh, that, that, that Jesus did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped as something to be hold on to, held on to, but that he emptied himself and he took on flesh and that he lived among us, living a, a sinless life, living the life we couldn't live and dying in our place, paying the penalty that we deserve so that we might have a relationship with God, so that we might be forgiven of our sins and made right with God. And we're reminded that Jesus humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But he has been exalted, the scripture would teach us, and that he has been given the name above every name. And at that great name, there will be a day that every knee shall bow and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we finish this reality, right, as that Jesus is Lord. And out of that, we hear this Verse And he says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, notice in this verse, he does not say work for your salvation. Notice he doesn't say work for your own salvation. Salvation is a gift from God. And what we know is that Jesus has done all the heavy lifting. In Ephesians chapter 2, we would see that it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, So that no one could boast. So that no one uh, could take glory in those places, right? That we would see this reality. And we should be sure of our salvation. We, in 1 John chapter number 5, we would read uh, these words. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So that you might know that you have eternal life. If you are here this morning and you have never repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, surrendering to him as Lord, you have an opportunity this morning to respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to to submit and surrender to him as Lord in your life and to be born again into the family of God. Now, this passage, this This passage is written to people and written to the church at Philippi, these that are born again, these that have been saved by the grace of God. And so we see this letter written and we understand that we don't work for our salvation, we work from our salvation. So we understand we're not doing something to earn our salvation. And when we uh, surrender our life to Christ, when we uh, believe and by faith are born again into the family of God, uh, theologians use, use a word called justified. We are justified in his sight. We are uh, a word called justification that we might hear in some of those moments. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in those moments, in that moment in the past, our position has changed. The, the position that we have in Christ by faith, we turn from sin, turning to Christ, and God declares uh, us righteous. God declares us righteous before him, not guilty. We are justified just as if, I told pastors used to say that, just as if you have never sinned, sinned right? We've heard that. But, but it's even more than that. It, it, it's even more than that. Just as if you have never sinned, but God looks at us just as if we had always obeyed. 
The great exchange, right? He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We see this beautiful picture of the gospel. We are saved from the penalty of sin, declared righteous before God. Uh, Another word that theologians would use, a word called sanctification. And when we read this passage, we understand that this is what the apostle Paul is speaking to. And from the moment that we are saved and we are in Christ... Uh, We are being conformed to the image of Christ, and so we are being saved not only from the penalty of sin, being justified before God, but we are being saved uh, from the power of sin in our life. We are being conformed to the image of Christ. And one glad day, and we long for that day when we will be in the presence of God, when all things will be made new, we hear the the term glorification, and we will be saved from the presence of sin, and we will no longer be in the midst of this broken world, and we long for that day. Right? We long for those moments, but Paul, as he's writing here, there's this assumption that these people are in Christ, and he's saying, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this word work out, uh, it's an interesting word, and Paul's saying, we want you to work out what is in you uh, already. So, so we're going to make true, and, and what God is going to do, we're going to see God's work in this, we're going to see our responsibility in this, and God is working to make true of us practically what's been made true of us positionally when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we are made right in his sight and declared righteous. Now, this word work out, it's an interesting word in the Greek. It's a word that means to fulfill or complete uh, to the finish. It is this thought of to perform unto the finish. Now, when we read it uh, in, in its Greek tense, we understand that it's in the present tense. And so it's this ongoing action and it's this ongoing work. Every moment, this is what it's, it's pointing to, is that in Christ, that every moment of every day, that there is this responsibility, there's no downtime, It's written in the the middle voice, so it says to work out your salvation. And written in the middle voice, it lets us understand that this is a choice that we must make on a day-in, day-out basis to work out what God is doing in us to the finish, and it is an imperative. It is a command of Christ. So what we understand in this passage is that our growth in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is an imperative, it is a command, that it is, it is a, a priority in our lives, and there is a fear and trembling that we do this with, that there is this reality of the awe and reverence. When we look at what Christ has done, what, what he has accomplished in our place, there is a response to that that, that is in awe of, of his greatness and in awe of his works. The scripture would tell us that our bodies, right, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And there should be an awe that, that the greatness of our God, that he would humble himself and, and be obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. And it should result in, in this reverence and this fear and, and trembling, right, that we would walk in these ways, right? And we might think, how in the world do we do that? And you might think, really, is, is, that, is that what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be in, in that sense of awe? You know, Paul would write uh, in, in Romans chapter 12 that our reasonable worship, you know, we come together this morning and we, we worship together and we sing together. But Paul would, would write in Romans 12, he would say, he would say in, in very strong words, he would say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and I implore you, Uh, He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, as you look at what God's done. And that's what Paul's done for the church at Philippi. He's painted this picture uh, of the greatness of our God and and his humiliation and his humility that he would take on flesh and dwell among us and that he would die on a cross in our place. And, and And he would say to the church at Rome, he would say, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. He says the reasonable response that we should have, just the normal response, what would be reasonable in light is that we would surrender our lives to Christ, that we would live our lives sacrificially for the glory of his name. But here's the good news. We're thinking, I don't know that I can do all that. You can't on your own. But look at verse 13. This is some incredible news because he says, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So practically, God is working in us to make us righteous, to make us uh, what's true of us positionally when we are declared righteous before God and we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Practically, God is working that out in us for his good pleasure. And God is at work in you, church. That is, if you're in Christ, God is at work in you. Every day we should get up. This, this should be a memory verse for every believer. And we ought to get up every morning and say, how in the world am I going to live this day? Oh yeah, God is at work in me to will. Man, I don't know if I'm going to have enough desire today to be able to do the things that God wants me to do. I don't know if, I, I just don't feel like it's in me. God is at work in you, both to give you the will and to work. And, and we see that this is, why? Because it's for his good pleasure. God is doing the work. He is in you, and he gives you. Listen, we haven't used good grammar all day, so we might as well keep going. Y'all are the light of the world, and when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he gives you a new warner. <laughs> if you're in Christ, you got a new warner. It's different. Your desires are different. You, you are changed from the inside out. And we see that he is working to will and to work in your life. And so Paul says, work out your own salvation. But I want you to understand, you can only work out what God is working in. And God expects you, he expects me to work out what he is working in. Jerry Bridges says it this way, the pursuit of holiness is a joint venture between God and the Christian. No one can attain any degree of holiness without God working in his life, but just as surely no one will attain it without effort on his own part. Sanctification, this work that God is doing in and through his people by his grace. We must diligently work to pursue Christ and pursue holiness, and we can be confident. Don't you love the, the, in the first chapter in verse 6 when we read these words that, that we can be confident, right, in this, that he who began a good work in you will see it through into the day of completion in Christ Jesus. It is him who is at work in us. We are grateful for that H.B. Charles says it this way, and I love the wording here. He said, it is the will of God to have the Spirit of God use the Word of God to make the children of God look like the Son of God. Yeah, that's good stuff right there, right? To know that, that if you're in Christ, right, that it is the will of God to take the Spirit of God and use the Word of God to take the children of God. And if you're in Christ, that's y'all. And, and to conform you and to look like the Son of God. This is what God is doing. And sometimes you're wondering, how in the world, am I, what, what is my role? What do I do? How in the world do I do those things? Right? We open the Word of God and we pray. And, and, and the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and he applies it to the child of God, conforming the child of God into the image of God. And we repeat the process and we live in fellowship with God and out of an overflow of relationship with the Father. And God is at work in the midst of our lives for our good and for ultimately his glory. Man, be sure of your salvation. Know that you are in Christ. Be sure to do your part. God 
though is sure at work in you. And joy will come. The world is sure to see. Look at verse 14. He, he, he gives this, this reality. How will the world see that God is at work in our lives? And this is interesting. And this gets kind of tough uh, in reality when we begin to read this. Because I don't know that I would have completed these verses in that way. Like I'm thinking, he is at work to do all these things. All this is, is kind of, you know, connecting in. And then all of a sudden in verse 14, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. So he says you are to appear as lights in the midst of this crooked and perverse world. And then he says, how in the world is that going to happen? And he says... Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, when we read that, what do you think it means, all things? Like, is there some secret wording in that? Is there something out there that, that's different? He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And, and here's the thing. God desires us in the midst of this dark world to shine as lights and not grumble. Now, when I think about those lighthouses and when I look at those and just in thinking about them this week, lighthouses don't grumble, right? They don't, they don't grumble. They don't dispute. They don't do any of those things. That word dispute, and, and here's, here's the thing for all of us. That word dispute, it's this picture of finding a reason not to do something. So we hear today, y'all, us, we are the light of the world. And we hear that, and in our mind we say, oh, man, mm. You know, there's a, maybe you don't know where I work. You don't know the people that are around me. We immediately try to find a reason not to do that. We immediately walk in that. And, and we see these words like do not grumble like, and do all things without grumbling. Now, immediately when we think about grumbling and complaining, as we think about the Scripture, our hearts immediately uh, roll back, right, to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, right? We see uh, these complaining, right? They're wandering through the wilderness and what we know about them and, and what we can see in this. If you want to look at God's uh, response to their complaining, uh, take some time after a while and just read Numbers uh, 11 and you can see uh, his heart uh, toward that and how, that, uh, how, how the Lord responds in that. But what we understand is the children of Israel, what we see in the Old Testament is the children of Israel, that God has freed them from bondage, that he has led them out of Egypt, that he has led them uh, out uh, of those. He's delivered them out of, of Egypt. And what they've done is they've complained and complained after they have received the blessings of God. And we look at that and we think, I can't believe they would do that. But here's the thing. We have received so much more in Christ. We have received so much more. And, and complaining, some of you might say, well, maybe not me. Uh, I, I want to challenge you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would convict us when we complain. And that we would be made ever more aware of our grumbling and of our complaining and the way that we respond. Because it's been said that complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, but not your own, right? 
Right? Complaining is, is that way. And, and if you look at, at Satan's temptation in the garden, the way that, that he was working in that was, was his heart was that they would not trust God and that they would become discontent with what they already had and, and, and that they would, uh, they would be in, in that kind of posture before God. And so when we complain and when we murmur and when we grumble, it is telling something to this world. When, when we uh, leave here today, and, and so many times we think about you know, the, the world and we think about how we engage in the world and what does it look like for us to live as light in the midst of the world. Go to, go to restaurants today after and look at the people that are dressed up and see how they respond to the waiters and the waitresses and the people that are there. It ought to be that on Sunday, it ought to be the favorite day of any waitress or waiter in, in any restaurant because they know the people of God are coming in there and what they're going to find is kindness and graciousness. Uh, when you work in a retail environment, it ought to be that on Sunday afternoon when somebody walks in uh, to, that, to that establishment that they're going to say, you know what, it's going to be a great day because there's not going to be grumbling. There's not going to be those kind of things. We're going to see people who are the light of the world. Is that what we see though? Right? They, they should be so excited to see that they're going to wait on a table from somebody that just left the church because those people have experienced the generosity of God in their life and they're going to be generous and they're going to be kind and they're going to be loving and they're going to pray and they're going to, to, to walk in that kind of way. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't let our light shine and it's exactly the opposite, that they see the churches, those that are complaining because their food took too long or because um, there's some ketchup on their hamburger when they didn't want it or whatever those things are. And we've got to understand that we've got to be people who are different in those ways. Hebrews 12, 15, Scripture says this, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by many be defiled. Bitterness and complaining is contagious. It causes us, here's what it does, it causes us to forget all that God has done for us. And it is contagious. When, when I worked in the, in the corporate uh, side of things and, and had people that, that worked for me in that dynamic, it was interesting. You could have everybody in, in a great mood. They loved their job. Everything was good. And somebody could come to work on a Monday morning and be upset uh, and, and kind of have that, I can't believe everything's going, you know, and they have that just complaining, complaining. By lunchtime, the whole crowd's mad. By lunchtime, everybody, I, I don't know if I can work here anymore. I can't put up with this junk. There ain't no way. Listen, it is contagious. And, and, and we forget all that God has done for us. And what we see in this passage, though, is that this complaining and this murmuring, it can hinder the work that God is doing in us to conform us to the image of his son, and it can hinder that work in others. It can hinder the progress of our sanctification. And here's the thing. We could be a blood clot to our own growth and to those around us. And if that is who you are, if you're one of those people that are in here this morning and God convicts your heart, the Holy Spirit says you are grumbling and complaining all the time, then what we would see is to knock it off and begin to live for the glory of God and ask the Holy Spirit to give you help because if you are in Christ, he is at work in you. And if you say, I don't even have a desire to do any different, then you better line up and see whether you are in Christ because if you are in Christ, he is at, at work giving you the will and the work to do those things. And, and we just need to be a people that are different. Vance Havner said, one hour in heaven and we will be ashamed that we have ever grumbled. One hour in heaven and we'll be ashamed that we ever Grumble. God desires his people to shine as lights and not grumble. Look, look at verse 15. He says, so that you will prove yourselves blameless and innocent children of God. Now, when we see that blameless and innocent, this thought of above reproach, it's this thought of people with an authentic faith, people that are living for the glory of God in the midst, notice, of a perverse and crooked 
generation. God desires his people to shine his lights and not grumble. But God desires his people to shine his lights and not cower. We are called, and the scripture would tell us to hold fast to the word of life. And here's what can happen. We find ourselves in the midst of this dark world. We find ourselves like the old guy looking for a different job. And we can have a tendency to do a couple of things. We can have a tendency to compromise. We can have a tendency to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just affirm whatever the culture's saying and I'm going to live just like them. We can find ourselves listening to the dirty jokes. We can find ourselves participating in those kind of things. We can find ourselves listening to this foul and, and coarse speech. And we can find ourselves even using this foul and coarse speech because what we can do is instead of being willing to stand out as a light, we compromise in order to blend in, right? And we just are a chameleon. We come to church and we look one way uh, and we go out into the world and we look a different way. But I want you to understand God desires that your Saturday night match your Sunday morning. And if it doesn't, it's time that we stop compromising to the things of this world, that we stop cowering in the presence of, of a broken and a perverted and a crooked generation. And we live for the glory of God. So we have this tendency, we could compromise. The second thing that, that we can do is we can cover. We can just say, you know what? I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to do those things, but I'm going to do my best to just live and not let anybody know where I stand on anything. I'm just going to live and I'm going to just be in my own little thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to find some people that are like-minded with me. And in those kind of moments, maybe I'll let them know a little bit about what I stand on this or that. Uh, but, but I'm just going to cover my light because I don't want to draw attention. You know, I got out this morning early uh, and, and it was uh, uh, one of those moments where I was taking my dog out and we were outside and, and I had a headlamp on. I put that headlamp on and all of a sudden it's light everywhere and it wasn't long. Like I'm, I don't like snakes. So I'm kind of scared of them. So I got the light on so I can see that. But, but also as a result of this light being on, all of a sudden I've got like every bug in Macon County on my head, right? I don't know if the glare off the light or, or all those things, but like I'm getting bit, I'm getting all those things. And, and so there's this tendency. I'm like, I'm covering the light. I just want to see a little bit, right? I'm getting the light away because I don't want those things to see. Well, that's the way many of us are living uh, our lives where we are concealing the light. And, and here's this thing. We are to be light in the midst of darkness. Now, there's a difference in shouting at the darkness, but we are to shine in the midst of darkness. And we are to prove ourselves. They should see our lives in the way that we live, blameless and innocent in the midst of of a crooked and perverse generation. I want to speak just a moment into the current climate that we're in. And I want to just say, it doesn't take very long for us to look around and see that we are living in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. What God has called sin is now being made uh, glorified. What God uh, has established is, and we, we live in a time where there's confusion about gender. There's confusion about those things. But I want you to understand that in God's design, he has created uh, all these things God designed marriage, and we see it in the very beginning that God desired marriage to be between a man and a woman for life. God designed it. We don't get to define it. It said, for this reason, he created uh, a man and a woman, right? And we see those things. There are only two genders. We don't get to, listen, we've got th this generation right now, and, and there's this tension. How do we live as light in the midst of darkness? How do we live as light in the midst of, of this kind of world. And, and what, what we wonder is like, where's the tension in some of those? And it feels like we live in a place where there's so much division and so many things uh, that are there. I, I want to I just share, I was talking to a, a middle school uh, aged student and I was talking to them in, in our school system here and I was talking to them just a, a little bit about, uh, and the topic really hadn't brought up in this direction, but the topic came up about people picking their genders. And I said, what do you, what, what do you experience in that? And, and I want you to know what this young 
person said. They said, it's normal. And I want you to understand, and, and they weren't meaning that it's normal, it's okay, and all those kind of things. But what they were saying is that wherever they look, that this is what they are seeing, that it is normal. And I want you to know that, that in our culture, we have children who are not old enough to pick their bedtime, that are picking uh, their gender. And, and I want you to understand that, this is, that there is an, an agenda and a world that is around, that, that is coming at our young people. And we have to understand that there are times that we must stand as light in the midst of this world. And when it comes to our children... And when it comes to those things, we've got to be people that will say, you know what? When, when, when the word of God has spoken, and by the way, if your opinion does not match the word of God, it is not the word of God that needs to change this morning. And, 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 the, and, and the word of God comes and it says that there's a broken and a sin-cursed world. And in the midst of a broken and a sin-cursed world, there are people that are lost and hurting, and they need to see the light of Christ lived in the people of God that are willing to stand for the truth of God's Word and to be light in the midst of darkness and to do that with love, right? We see this call that we would speak the truth in love, that we would stand in those places and that we would bridge the gap. And I thank God for many women in our community that are saying, hey, you know what? This this pornographic stuff that that sometimes is seen uh, in, in public places, that our kids should be in, that it's not appropriate. It's got to be out of those places. And we can't, listen, we can't just remain silent in the midst of this broken generation and allow the world to be speaking. If the only voice that is speaking to our kids is the voice of this world, then they are coming up confused and they're coming up in, in places where, where, where right uh, is, is not uh, being portrayed uh, from the center of God's word and where wrong is being made right and being accepted by the world that is around. I mean, we've got to be careful, but we've got to be wise. We've got to be people who are speaking the truth in love. We've got to be people whose speech is seasoned with salt and full of grace and full of truth for the need of the moment. We are to be light in the midst of the world. We're to shine into the midst of darkness, but we have a responsibility to a generation that is around us. And you as parents, you have a responsibility to the children that are in your homes to speak the truth and and to share the love of Christ and the truth of God's word in the midst of this broken world. And you're going to see those shining lights in the attitude that we speak from, this posture that we have, and the fortitude with which we stand. It's got to be a combination. We have got to be a people who will stand for truth. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life. And by the way, the gospel is the word of life. And the gospel changes everything. Shane Pruitt says it this way. The goal of the gospel is not to affirm you, celebrate you, and accept you. The goal of the gospel is to rescue you, transform you, and redirect you. We hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, Paul says, I'll have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. God desires his people to shine lights and not grumble. God desires his people to shine as lights and not cower. And God designs his people in unity to shine as lights together. Our actions, the way that we respond, it will either be light in the midst of this broken culture. And his goal for for followers of Jesus Christ is not that we would retreat from this world and we would seclude ourselves, but that we would go into the midst of brokenness. His desire is not that we would blend into this world so that our witness would be nothing, but his desire is that we would hold fast to the word of life and that we would shine as lights in the midst of this broken world, loving people with the good news of the gospel, loving people wherever we are. I heard the story 
of Lady Elgin ship, which was in the 1800s. It was in 1860 on September 8th. Uh, she took about 300, and, 300 passengers on a touring uh, sightseeing kind of trip. And in that, there was a collision with another vessel. And when that happened, uh, in the darkness of the early morning hours, the captain thought that the damage was minimal. The captain thought that it was manageable. But all of a sudden, the hole came big and uh, water began to come in, and most died that night. A few were rescued, and most notably by a Bible college student named Edward Spencer. He heard what was going on and made his way to the shore, and the stories would say that he would swim out and that he would bring one person into safety, and he would swim back out and get another and bring them into safety. And after the 17th person that he had, had brought in, to safety, he collapsed, and when he woke up, he days later he woke up, and his brother was sitting over him, and he says his first comment that came out of his mouth was he looked at his brother and he said, "Did I do my best?" And I just want to remind you this morning, there are lost people that are perishing all around us. There are lost people that, apart from the gospel, have no hope in this world. And I wonder one day we will stand before a holy God. And the question that we must ask ourselves is, did we do our best? As a church, are we a lighthouse in the midst of this community? And I thank God for the way that we are. But there's this reality, right, that we are called to go into the midst of darkness as shining lights for the glory of his name. And while it seems overwhelming, I want to remind you this morning that he is with you, that he is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And may we as followers of Jesus Christ go into the midst of darkness and reflect the light of Christ in a way that is beautiful, in a way that is compelling, but in a way that is truthful, in a way that engages the darkness and pierces the darkness with light. I want to pray for us here in just a moment, and I want, to, I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe if you have been in a place where you feel like you've been concealing the light, or maybe you've been compromising in the midst of, of where you're at. Maybe you've been compromising the truth of, of the Word. Maybe you've been just trying to kind of blend in in whatever environment. I, it's my hope this morning that you would seek God in these moments, and you would ask Him to help you, that you might stand in the midst of the brokenness, that you might stand for truth, that you might stand, but that you would do so in a way that is loving and is gracious, that we might be a people who would reflect him well to our community, to those that are around us. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ for salvation, I pray that this morning would be that day for you, that you would respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would be born again into the family of God. And know that he will be at work in you and give you strength for the days ahead. You know, next Sunday we're going to be having a, a baptism uh, here on Father's Day. And uh, maybe you've never taken that, that first step of obedience. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm a believer, but I've never been, been biblically baptized. I've never been, uh, I've never responded uh, in, in, in obedience to, to God in that. And this morning you want to say, you know what, I want to be baptized next week. Whatever that is, however God speaks to your heart, I pray. Uh, that you'll be obedient. Lord, we thank you for uh, the great work that you've done in our lives. Lord, we're reminded that we don't do anything to earn our salvation. God, we can't earn it. We can't work. We can't uh, 
God, we can't do any of that. But, Lord, we, we're thankful for the cross. And we recognize this morning that what you did on that cross, Lord, that if we would look and believe and trust in you, that know that it counted for us, Lord, that we could be saved, that we could be born again into the family of God. And, Lord, I pray if someone doesn't know you, God, that this morning that would happen in their lives, God, that they would look to the cross and say, you died for me, and I, I believe and I trust you. I surrender to you as Lord. And, Lord, for believers in this room, God, I pray that we would no longer keep our lights hidden, but, God, that we would go out into the midst of this world with our attitudes, God, without grumbling and complaining and being those people that nobody wants to be around because all they hear is negativity, Lord, and all they hear is complaining. Lord, but that we would be people, Lord, who would shine bright. Lord, in the midst of this broken world, Lord, that we would stand for truth, but it would be done so in a way that, Lord, that love uh, is experienced, and Lord, that we see your grace and your mercy. Lord, help us to know where to stand, where to speak. God, where just to shine in the midst of the, of the moments by, by our actions and our attitude. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide every believer. Lord, we pray for those that are in our, our county, Lord, our county commissioners, those people that God, uh, are faced with different, different decisions with our, our schools or different decisions with, our, uh, with public places. God, all those things, Lord, we just pray and thank God for you putting people in those places that, uh, God, that, that, that would have a heart for you, God, people that would, uh, that would stand for truth. Lord, we, we pray you help them, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, Lord, in the ways to, to navigate, uh, Lord, and be lights in the midst of a culture. Lord, that as your word described this morning, a perverse and crooked generation. Lord, we know that, that what's around us is a sin problem and only the gospel can change it. So, Lord, we pray that you would allow the gospel to go forth as we do. In Jesus' name. Will you stand with me this morning as we sing and worship?